We're going to read Romans 6 together, so if you guys could turn there in your Bibles with me. And I'm just going to start. Um, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were buried into Christ Jesus who was bap- and were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died for sin, died to sin once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. He lives to God. The life he lives, he lives to God. Do people say that about you? The life she lives, she lives to God. Who? Continuing, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one you obey, whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Gee, thanks, Paul. (laughs) Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time for the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God... The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a chapter. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. Stories are fun. Um, So when I was 10, my family went on a road trip, and this was a majestic road trip. We drove from Washington into Idaho into Montana, into South Dakota, through Nebraska, stopped in Kansas to visit family, and then headed back up through Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, Oregon, and finally back to Washington. So on this trip to visit family, we stopped at all the great Midwest sites. You know, there's Mount Rushmore, there's Yellowstone Park, there's Crazy Horse, there's the Corn Palace, which was really weird. That was weird. Um, and other attractions. And honestly, I don't remember them really well. Um, you'll discover if you ever tra- travel to the Midwest 
that 90% of their touristy attractions are made out of rock. They have a lot of rock. Not about, not pretty much else. Um, but I do have one very clear memory from this trip, and it has actually nothing to do with the touristy attractions. Um, so we were staying in a KOA cabin, um, and they had a pool. And I'd recently just finished my junior lifeguard training, so I was pretty confident in my skills. So in the middle of the hot South Dakota day, um, we jumped into the pool. Um, my dad was sitting there watching us, um, and my sisters and I were swimming around. But my brother, he was four at the time, so he couldn't swim. But my dad had put this like round floaty around him that was pretty secure, so he was like jumping in and out of the deep end by himself. Um, so he thought he was pretty cool stuff. Um, this little four-year-old. Um, but at one point, my dad takes off his floaty, probably so he could go to the bathroom. But my brother, all self-confident now, um, turns around and runs straight back into the pool <laughs> without the floaty. Um, this is a pretty terrifying, terrifying moment in my life. Um, I turn around, and there's my tiny baby brother screaming and splashing and, and drowning. Like, he's just... Like, have you ever watched anyone drown before? It's, like, the worst. <laughs> you, like, turn and you, like, start trying to swim to them, but, like, all of a sudden the water gets, like, heavier. And, and all of your, like, great swimming skills, like, they disappear. And you're, like, struggling to, like, swim to your brother to, like, save him. And, he, you know, you're just hearing him scream. It's awful. <laughs> um, so we're, like, we're trying to, like, we're screaming, and, like, he's screaming, and we're all, like, yelling. And my dad, like stands up and clothes, book, and all, jumps into the pool. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty stressful. Um, so Michael talked at the beginning of how we need a, at the beginning how we need a lifeguard. Um, we are hopeless in our need for a savior, and we need someone to save us. You know, everyone is equal in their great need. Everyone is equal in not being able to get to God on their own strength. At the same time, it is true, when Jesus comes to save us, we are now equal in how Jesus has made us enough. We are equally forgiven. We are equally called to follow Jesus. So my dad did save my brother, fortunately. Um, and just like my brother needed someone to fully jump in and save him, so do we need someone to fully jump in and save us. And when my brother was in the water, he was slowly losing his life. Um, as the seconds ticked by, he was getting closer and closer um, to his possible death. You know, that's the reality of drowning, right? Um, we're getting closer and closer to our own spiritual death. But when my dad jumped in and brought him out of the water, uh, my brother was no longer getting closer to his death. He was now living life again. But my brother had to leave something behind when he came out of the water. He had to leave behind his freedom to jump in by himself. <laughs> he didn't get to jump in by himself anymore. Um, he was no longer, he no longer had the right to jump in. Uh, my, brother, my brother lost that freedom. And, you know, and this is what the story of Paul is telling us. Um, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. You know, we tend to see God as our floaty. Um, it's, it's there to keep us safe, but if we don't want to have God with us, 
Um, we can still jump in anyways. We can get rid of our floaty and, and jump in because we are free, individual Americans, and we don't need anyone to help us, right? Um, we can do whatever we please. But Paul says, you can't. <laughs> we lose our freedom to sin. We don't get to just jump in anymore whenever we want. Because you are either a slave to sin or you are a slave to righteousness. You know, there's no in-between, no gray area. So these first two chapters in Romans hearken, that's a good word, hearken back to Exodus. Um, N.T. Wright says, so Exodus tells the story of how the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. This story is well enough known, right? But what is not normally recognized is that here in Romans, Paul is telling a version of the very same story. Starting with the, this present passage, which is the Romans 6, 1 through 5, um, Romans 6 describes how Christians come through the water of baptism, like the Red Sea, and thus leaving behind the land of slavery and entering upon a new freedom, like leaving Egypt and setting off for the promised land. Then you head into Romans 7, um, which wrestles with the question of what happened at Mount Sinai and the problems that resulted, resulted, leading to a strange new fulfillment of the law. And then Romans 8 describes the Christian life in terms of God leading his people home to their inheritance, which turns out to be the whole redeemed creation. So Paul warns against precisely the kind of grumbling of which the Israelites have been guilty. Don't you, want to go back, you don't want to go back to the land of slavery, do you? He asks in 8.15 in of Romans. So jumping in without a floaty, saying, I can do this without God, is like going back to Egypt to be a slave again. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> you remember how horrible it was? What was your Egypt before you started following Jesus? Um, so there are two ideas that Paul brings us in this chapter. He brings the idea of being a slave to sin and then being alive in Christ. So let's unpack these ideas tonight. Who of you remembers Spring Camp Out? Yeah. Um, you guys remember watching eight people get baptized? Isn't that awesome? So those people were symbolically dying with Christ and then coming up with him into a new life, leaving something behind them. So peeps, when we start following Jesus, we've got to leave some stuff behind. Uh, the things in our lives that cause death don't get to come with us. Romans says, we are those who have died to sin. Romans also says, when you were, a slave, when you were slaves to sin... You were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you are reaping leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So think about your baptism with me. And if you haven't been baptized, um, think about your like hypothetical baptism. So... Um, what if you did get baptized? Um, think about going under the water and then coming back up. Remember how that felt. 
What did you leave behind in the water of your baptism? Or if you haven't been baptized yet, what would you want to leave behind in the water of your baptism? When was the last time you thought about what you left behind? And is that still in your life? So in the beginning, we were in close personal relationship with God. But then we chose um, that we didn't want to be in that relationship anymore, and we walked away from God. But now in his infinite grace and wisdom, God is calling us out of that place without him into a place of close personal relationship with him again. Romans says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves alive to God and alive in Christ. So God sees you as alive now. And, and that aliveness, <laughs> if that's a word, that comes, it, it's coming from the power of Christ that is in you. It's through Christ that God is seeing you alive. Are you alive in Christ? Does God see you as alive? You walked out of the water into a new life. But what is this new life? Um, This new life is a life of obedience to Jesus. So obedience, um, I don't really like that word. That word reminds me of my parents and being five years old. It's kind of not a happy word. So why does God require obedience if it doesn't seem to add to my happiness? What comes to mind when you think of obedience? Here's what comes to my mind. So the first thing, Jesus was obedient to God. Jesus died for the sins of the world even though he didn't feel like it that day. You can see that in Luke 22, 39 through 46, and Luke 23, 44 through 49. It should be on the screen. Second, Jesus was obedient to his parents. You can see that in Luke 2, 51. And third, Jesus was obedient to secular authorities. You can see that in Luke 20, 20 through 26. So we gather from Scripture that obedience is a big part of who Jesus was and how he acted. So in this chapter, Paul says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be a slave to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We have come to obey the pattern of teaching that has claimed our allegiance from our hearts. But how do we come to a place of obeying God from our hearts? It seems like really, really tough. How do you, like, want to obey God? So I did the Kyle for internship last year. Um, and during the Kyle for inter- internship, you read a lot of books. Um, and one of my favorite books that I read was called Desiring God um, by John Piper. And his main thesis is that we should be Christian hedonists. Hedonism is the search for one's own pleasure. Piper makes the point that Christians should seek the pleasure that is God himself. 
This is Christian hedonism. So not seeking the pleasure that can be found from God, but God himself is our ultimate joy, pleasure, and happiness. Piper says, Our exceeding joy is he, the Lord, not the streets of gold or the reunion of relatives or any blessing of heaven. Piper makes a profound point. The chief end of women and men is to glorify God by enjoying him, God, forever. The way we glorify God is by enjoying him. Keywords, enjoying him. Have you ever enjoyed hanging out with someone? So th- think of someone that you really enjoy hanging out with. It's like one of the best experiences you could possibly have, right? Spending time with someone and enjoying every single moment. That's what it means to be alive in Christ. Romans says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is offering us life in Jesus. So remember that person you enjoy hanging out with? Not just being, you know, it, it doesn't matter like what you guys do together. It just matters being with them. So you could do anything with them and you would have a good time. That's what God wants with us. He wants us to be with him. And he wants us to like have all of our happiness and our joy and our like need to have like um, love and fulfillment in our life fulfilled by being just with him. And that's how we live in obedience. We know that we're being obedient um, because we just we want to be with him. And then when he asks us to do something, we're like, yeah, like, I want to do that. Like, I love you. And you, like, love me. So, like, why wouldn't I want to, like, do that for you or do what you ask? But if you don't love God, like, why would you want to obey him? It doesn't make any sense. Like, all, like, the religious things in life are meaningless because they're not based on loving God and just loving him for who he is. Not even, like, what he does for you, but, like, loving him like you love your friend that you love hanging out with. Like, it's, they never did things for you. You just love them because they are who they are, right? That's what God wants. (laughs) You know, and then, because of that, there's also this other side where, like, we're in this uh, beautiful, like, close, personal, intimate relationship with God, and he, like, loves being with us, but then he's also our master, we are also his, like, servants. You know, there's two sides of the coin. Um, and you see God is our, our, in this close relationship, and God is our master. Um, but here's, like, the amazing, amazing thing about God. Well, one of the amazing things. There's so many. Um, but God, so, you know, God sent his son Jesus to be um, with us. So he was, like, among us. He walked with humanity, experienced everything we experienced, but then he left right? He went back up to heaven. But instead of leaving us here alone to try and learn how to serve him like Jesus, but now having to live without the example of Jesus, God sent us a helper, a counselor, um, to help us follow God. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. You know, when you tell Jesus, you're now my master of my life, I'm here to obey you, um, to love you, be your servant, you receive the Holy Spirit inside of you, and he's there to help you. Um, he's, help, he's there to help you hear God's voice. He's here to help you understand what God is saying to you. 
Um, and he's here to help you know what next, the next step is to take. And most importantly, the Holy Spirit is, is with you to give you boldness. So a lot of times God asks us to be obedient, and it's really terrifying, right? Like it's things we don't really want to do, and it's outside of our comfort zone. Well, the Holy Spirit is there to give you the boldness that you need to do the hard things that God is asking you to do. And, and most of the time, he gives you the boldness to share the gospel. Like, that's really what the Holy Spirit is all about. He's giving you boldness to, like, tell other people about Jesus and how he wants to be with people and, like, spend time with them and, like, love them and have them love him in return. And, and then the other thing the Holy Spirit does is he gives us gifts. Um, he gives us gifts to give to others. So you have like gifts like knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy. We learned about that last quarter um, from Michael. But the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to give to one another. Sounds like the Holy Spirit's pretty selfless. Um, and you hear from the Holy Spirit more than you realize. I think probably some of you are thinking like, you know, that's great hearing from God, but I don't hear God. Think about the time when you feel, when you have that feeling that you know you should do something, but then you don't really want to do it. (laughs) Think about that feeling. That's probably the Holy Spirit, and that's probably God speaking to you. And that's probably the Holy Spirit encouraging you to obey God. Um, But most of the time we chicken out um, (laughs) doing hard things the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. Um, But wouldn't it be cool if we actually started obeying um, I'm feeling pretty, like, personally convicted myself as I was, like, writing this message about obedience. I'm like, dang, I'm not so good at this. <laughs> we need to grow in obeying God, right? Um, so what did we learn today? Um, we learned that we have to leave our sin behind us. We learned that we are called to obey God. We learned that God wants us to enjoy him And when we enjoy him, he is glorified. We learn that being alive in Christ means obeying God. And we learn that we have the Holy Spirit with us to help us obey God. Um, So the worship team can come on up. Um, So for our response tonight, um, I would love it to be a verbal response. So if you guys could, the first thing you could do is you could come up here And kind of like what we did at the beginning of the message, um, you could tell us what you've been learning from Romans, or you could tell us what you've been learning from Camp Out. So go over your notes. Um, But just remember the ABCs, Audible, Brief, Christ-Centered. If you're not sure if what you want to share is for the whole group, you could ask a staff or a facilitator. And the second thing um, that would be really cool to do is if you feel like the Lord is tugging on your heart to tell someone something, and you think it's from God... Um, jump on that train and tell them. Um, Have boldness tonight. The Holy Spirit's here to give you boldness to do what he asks. Um, So let's be God's messengers tonight. Um, So you have two verbal responses tonight, um, and that can continue in your cores and on Facebook page tonight if you don't get a chance to share. Um, Move around, pray for one another. Um, Yeah, I'll just pray to close, and we'll go into worship. Uh, Dear Holy Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, I know I'm feeling um, convicted by your word um, to live in obedience to you. So I just pray that um, wherever, like, different, we're all really different places um, tonight. I pray that you come and meet us in our different places and meet us where we're at um, and ask us to take the next step forward 
um, and obeying you. Um, yeah, so I just pray that you would reveal that to us. Lord, speak to us tonight. Um, give us gifts to share to one another. Minister to us. Heal us. And encourage us for the rest of this quarter. Um, speak to us through the people who will share tonight at the mic, Lord. Um, yeah, in your precious name, amen. <laughs>